Hi, this is Cole. And this is Carly. Welcome to our podcast, Shrieks and Shivers. Today, we'll be reviewing Don't Be Afraid of the Dark from 2011. So just to give you a quick summary of the film, um, this movie is about young Sally who moves into an old estate in Rhode Island with her dad and stepmom-to-be, Alex and Kim. She starts experiencing unusual events and encounters strange creatures after the family opens a hidden basement in the home. The movie setting takes place in Rhode Island, but in real life it was recorded or filmed, forgive me, in Victoria, Australia, where you can act where the mansion is, and it's called the Drusil Mansion in Mount McDon. And I'm sorry guys, I'm probably missaying that, but forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> so do we know anything about that mansion? No, I didn't actually put um, a lot of research behind the mansion because I was mostly putting research behind the movie because I really like this movie. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a horror fantasy movie. Um, it was directed by Troy Nixie and co-written and produced by Gilmero del Toro. And I'm probably saying his name a little wrong. I think you, yeah, you, I don't know if you're saying it wrong, but you sounded good to me. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to say it because with the way I speak, I know I would butcher it. And then it is based on a remake of a TV movie from 1973. Dang it. I looked that up and I really thought I was going to catch you off guard with that. Oh, (laughs) did I steal your thunder a little? No, guys, this movie is rated R and with a runtime of an hour and 39 minutes. So, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the characters, Cole? Yes. So, the first character we meet is Sally. And Sally's kind of like, her parents are divorced. She's independent. We see her riding um, on a plane alone, which at my, uh, if I was her age, I'd be terrified. So, Sally's independent. She's quiet. She, um, She does express what she wants, but no one really listens to her. She's kind of dismissed by her mother and father. And then we get the soon-to-be stepmom, Kim, who is sweet, nurturing. She seems to have either a similar background or knows how Sally feels because she kind of tells her her fiancé-to-be, Alex, or her already fiancé, Alex, like, she understands Sally more than Alex, which is kind of bad when, like, your own, you don't understand your own daughter, but your um, uh, wife-to-be understands your own daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so, dad doesn't seem to pay Sally as much attention as um, the stepmom-to-be. Yeah, like, Alex, throughout the movie, when things go wrong, Alex always turns to Sally, and he, like, yells at her, and he reacts badly toward her, and Kim is just not for it. She's like, no, like, she's not acting malicious she's acting out of fear because you're yelling at her like kim is the goat of the booby like she is top dog and now we get alex and let me tell you alex don't he's not a bad guy at the very end but he just fucks up like around every turn like anytime you think he's going to do something right he just goes the opposite direction he's very stubborn he's very focused on his career and he's really letting sally down and in a way letting kim down so um did you have any parts of this movie that like really stuck out to you 
Okay, this is going to sound sappy, guys. I know it's a horror fantasy movie, but the scenes that really stuck out to me was the chemistry between Kim and Sally. The way they um they work, they're like um the way they are in the movie together. It's just really sweet when you get moments together where you see like it doesn't feel fake or forced. It really feels like it's a girlfriend wife to be and uh the daughter of Alex Sally becoming like closer becoming more than just oh I'm your dad's girlfriend and you're his daughter it's more like I'm not your mother but I can definitely be a pillar for you to lean on (laughs) well I'm glad that you found like the sweet moments um (laughs) are there part of the film are there any movies that really stuck out to you Carly Well, if I'm honest, I feel like that opening scene is pretty drastic and it's probably why the movie's rated R. So this movie opens with, um, we see a maid cleaning in, in this big estate and a bell goes off. And so she goes towards like the basement where the, um, the owner of the home, Emerson Blackwood has, um, like a study down there and she opens the door and he calls her down. So she starts to walk down the stairs towards him. And um, there's like, he has a line set up at the bottom of the stairs that she doesn't see. And so she trips over it and tumbles the rest of the way down and hits her head. So it stuns her for a minute. And while she is stunned, she wake like she comes back to full consciousness and he's straddling her and he puts like this metal thing in her mouth. And she's, like, screaming and crying and begging him not to. And he's, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, they made me do it. They're making me do it so I can see my son again. And then all you hear is, like, a hammer go off. And then in the next scene, you see him with a bowl of teeth. And she's, like, passed out on the ground. And you realize that he, like, has chipped out her teeth. And he has also pulled out some of his own teeth. And then he goes over to this vent in the, like, wall and he opens it up and he puts the bowl of teeth in there. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, I couldn't get you children's teeth, but this is what I could get you. And he's like begging to see a son again. And you hear these voices telling him that they need the teeth of children. And then you hear his son's voice calling to him. And he's like, yes, give me your hand, son. And he reaches down into the darkness because he thinks he's going to pull his son up. And they pull him down in bed. And that's that's the beginning of the film. Yeah, and let me say, um, in my notes, I first have fuck the hammer. And second of all, the way his body got pulled in there, ugh, like that gave me chills seeing like, I don't know, just like the the ideal of feeling your body get pulled through a short hole. It's just horrific. Yeah, there's like a lot of, um, at the beginning of this film, at least, there's a lot of body horror <laughs> that I was not expecting. And I agree with you. I see why that was like the rated R moment because that was just horrible. And then all of a sudden, guys, right after this horrible, traumatic scene, we immediately go to a cute opening. Like, light music. It's like fairy tale vibes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, did that stick out to you? Uh, a little bit. Um, I think I was still recovering from that the scene, though. So I didn't notice it as much. Yeah, my notes, I'm like, why a cute opening? <laughs> so, um, I also want to say, I don't know if we're going to go in order when we're doing this podcast and go step by step or scene by scene. So I'm just kind of jumping around a little bit. But number one, horror movie rules. 
if you find a boarded up room, do not open it. And that is where this family made the biggest mistake. (laughs) Yeah, like, they, honestly, all three of them did something to help open that, um, open the door to the fairies, the dark fairies. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Sally, uh, I mean, um, Sally finds the garden, uh, the windows. Um, The dad breaks down, um, Alex breaks down the door, the dad, uh, Sally's dad. And then Kim gets the key and essentially opens it and then sally goes down in there and helps um break the lock not the locks but the bolts on the um vent so i do think it's interesting um when they talked about like how at first they didn't believe her that there was a basement they didn't believe sally that there was a basement because they said in that area a lot of the houses didn't have basements because they were on top of certain, like a certain type of ground that didn't work well with basements. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder if the reason why this house has dark fairies in it is because it did have that basement. So it did kind of dig into the ground, essentially. Oh, so if they hadn't put a basement, the fairies would have never even known that there was a home on top of them. Yeah, they might not have had like an opening to come out of. I just, I don't know, like, I just, it felt like everything was so easy to not, like, interact with these dark fairies, like, and somehow these people found a way to interact with these dark fairies, and their whole lives were ruined because of their actions. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's why we have a movie to watch and enjoy, but it also makes me wonder, like, how realistic it felt. Also, we have a ton of, um nieces probably around sally's age and i honestly don't know if any of them would open up you know a vent if they heard little voices calling to them asking them to i think there's a couple of them who would probably keep it a secret from us until (laughs) we found them like getting slashed or attacked you think they would open the vent yes i do think they would open (laughs) i think if we were children we would open the vent um, Cole, you might have. I definitely would not have. You were always the explorer when we were kids, going off, going around. Remember we would take trips to Rio Dosa and you would want to go, like, farther away from everyone around the lake? Okay, walking around, exploring, seeing, yes. Opening dark vents because voices are calling to me from it. Heck no, I believe <laughs> ghosts and evil spirits. I wasn't trying to mess with any of that. <laughs> Um, can I just say another character who really stood out to me is Mr. Harris? Yes. Like, he tries his hardest to protect this family, and more importantly, to protect Sally. Yeah, he's a little gruff and rough, but I feel like I'm very, like, surprised that he knew so much. And in the end, still kind of, like, got his ass beat and handed to him by the fairies. So, I think a lot of that, um actually had to do with like he had been on the property since he was a kid and we know at some point either his grandfather or his dad boarded up the basement and like kind of hit it so there's a part of me that wonders if he knew about the fairies and his family got worried he was going to get taken so so they locked the basement up because we do see him in the scene right before he gets you know attacked with all the tools where he tells the fairies, I didn't tell them anything. Like, 
Like, he's telling the fairies, like, he didn't warn the family. I just... I just think it's amazing. Like, he's informative, but he's also, like... For a second, I was like, is he working with the fairies? Is he kind of, like, be like, don't take this one. Like, I know her, but I could... See, I was going to think he was going to bargain with them, but instead he was like, I'm just going to seal this up. But he did it in a really poor manner. And also, I would have had someone down there with me to, like, hold that flashlight on that... um on the what is it called i didn't write it down in my notes i just kept i keep thinking it's a vent or a grate <laughs> yeah that's what i'm gonna start calling it. or ash pit there it is ash pit i was just thinking like i would have had someone there like with me to hold the flashlight on the door because it seems like but i don't think he knew the flashlight would wait did he know the flashlight would scare them away or did he not know um i don't really know if he knew I think he was just trying to hurry up, get the screws back in it, and then get back up the stairs. And instead, he got attacked. I know. Those fairies were smart. They were like, um, no, we're going to freaking cut you and beat you up, but we won't kill you or you'll survive. Yeah, oh, like, this. there's a moment where um, Sally, like, accidentally drops a piece of wire through the vent. Mm-hmm. And then her dad comes back and her dad's like, what are you doing? And he like bends down um, and his ear is really close to the vent. And it looks like they're about to shove the wire through his ear. Yeah, they really got me with that scene. I really thought he was going to get like a punctured eardrum or like a, or a missing eye. But, you know. Oh, that was when uh, Sally was like, oh, I hear voices. I hear voices. Dad, listen. And his And her dad put his ear up. To the, her dad put the ear up to the vent to see if he could hear anything, and then they were like, "Uh, let's let's stab a stick in his ear." <laughs> yeah, which if they would have done that, I mean, it would have hurt him, but at least he probably would have realized there was something malicious going on. Oh no! Then he did. Alex would have probably been like, hmm, "Must have been a random stray wire poking through." I just want to say, um, just kind of poking a little bit of a hole in the movie. We see the fairies attack um, Harris with these tools by making the tools lift up and fly at him. But that is the only time in the movie that they're able to really do anything like that. In all the other, the rest of the movie, we watch them have to like do these little like traps or engineers or like, you know, maneuvering stuff into place. Like they had to use the long wire to turn off the light in the bathroom to go after Sally and they had to put a rope around her dad's legs in order to pull him down. Yeah, these are definitely not like super magical. Like it's weird because they're not magical enough to use it to attack people, but they're magical enough to use their powers to transform you into one of them. Yes, it's their their magical abilities are very weird and very confusing. Yeah, and can I just say one thing? Um, the guy who owned the house before, what was his name? Was it uh Blackwood or Blackwater? Uh, I believe it's Blackwood, Emerson Blackwood. Okay, so Blackwood, he um, y'all know at the very beginning, guys, he was like, "Oh, I want my son back. I want my son back," and they were like, "Come down here. We'll give you your son." So he does that, and he like killed the maid and took out his own teeth, and he gets pulled down in there and. But then later on, the we see the main fairy who's like trying to get Sally and using and working with the other fairies. It's kind of like a hive mind. They all think the same. They all talk the same. They all kind of whisper. It's he has a can, uncanny resemblance to Blackwood. Like, did you notice that? 
Oh, I did not notice that, but that's a really good catch. Yeah, it seems like maybe their latest victim or the victim who had the strongest will, like not strongest will, I don't know how to explain it, but it seems like whoever gets dragged down there last will become like a new leader in a sort because he's the one kind of like guiding the other fairies. He's the one kind of giving charge. He's the one who's like really desperate to get Sally. And also when he comes, um, I don't know if it was the bathroom scene, but like there's a scene where they're attacking Sally as she's like, literally was taking a bath they turn off the light she gets out of the bathtub and next you know she's being surrounded by these like these the dark fairies and he's out there and he's his arm is wrapped around one of the fairies and i was like what happens if that's his son but in a fairy form now like him and his son are together again they're just dark fairies oh that makes sense and i think um that that theory like about them being turned is supported by the very end of the film when we see you know like after I'm just going to go ahead and let everybody know. Kilmer dragged down. Yeah. And Sally and her dad revisit the state like a few months or even possibly a few years later. And they leave a picture for like Sally leaves a picture she drew for Kim. And it gets like pulled into the vent by the wind. And then you just hear Kim's voice telling the fairies that. They're going to go deeper down and wait till people forget. And then when other people move into the home, then they'll attack again. And see, I guess I still think Sally, I mean, uh, Kim is the goat because I think she's lying. I think she's like, we're going to go deeper down, guys. And in her mind, in her, she, she has power of the group now. She's like, and we're never going to come back up. Or that's what my interpretation is. I don't, I think she wants to protect Sally, but I also think she wants to protect the other children too. I think she's going to kind of be the not the anti-hero but like the martyr in a way and she's going to take herself and the fairies all the way down and they're never going to come back up and Mm -hmm. i might be wrong but that's my interpretation so throughout this film we see a lot of people try to protect sally well not a lot but we see several people try to protect sally including um the groundskeeper harris who we spoke about before he ends up getting stabbed with, like, different um, tools in the basement. So, like, screwdrivers, stuff like that. And I just thought that scene was so weird because after he goes to the hospital, um, Sally's dad is trying to justify it as are other people. And they're like, he must have fell. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, how would one, like, the way, like, even a detective, the police should have been able to look at that. And I'm like, no, this looks like, um, like, he was attacked from the slashes on his hands to the stab in his back leg like anyone could tell this man had just been attacked but Harris climbs those steps Carly and when he pulls that um a screwdriver out of his shoulder I was like damn like Harris is not to be fucked around with yeah and he still did it like he was still warning the housekeeper Miss Underhill like not to let the things get Sally like, I just felt so bad for Mr. Harris. And the way, like, Alex just dismissed him by saying he fell down the stairs. Like, even when um the maid saw him, she noticed that he wasn't even, like, in an area where even if he fell down the stairs, he wouldn't be right. He wouldn't be on the other side of them. Yes. Like, and then the fact that he walked up the stairs and that they, like, also the fact that there was a bunch of yelling Alex just didn't want to run their house renovations because they had all of their money sunk into this place. 
I just think Alex, so I just think Alex is so stubborn. Like the way he just continues to not listen to Kim, Sally, Mr. Harris, like the way he's just like, nope, nope, nope. There's nothing wrong with this house. My daughter is having nightmares and screaming and she's tearing up dresses and her bear and her doll. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put her on stronger sleeping medication, drug her up. Heck, even after I believe there's something in the house trying to go after my daughter, I'm still going to put her in the bed. I'm going to still tell all our guests to leave. And then then when we're completely alone, isolated in the middle of the night, then I'm going to say, hey, guys, let's go to a hotel. Yeah. Like, um, damn. Just just the whole the whole movie, it kind of made me laugh a little bit like that. It just seems so ridiculous. Kim was putting in this so in so much effort to figure out what was wrong. And Alex was just like, we're just going to ignore all of this. We just need to sell this house. That's what we need to do. And Kim was like, I'm going to go talk to Harris, see what happened to him. I'm going to go do research at the library. I'm going to figure out what's going on. Oh, yeah. Like, Kim was just out and about investigating. And can I say one thing? Kim should have left Alex as soon as he got out of the car. And he's like, I'm going to walk. It's faster. I'd be like, oh, okay. That's the way it's going to be in this relationship. Yeah. And then I think to me, it's it's interesting, though, that they knew something was going on, but they still kept leaving Sally at the house. Like, and I know she wasn't necessarily alone because there was obviously a housekeeper there and other people around. But if I thought my kid was getting attacked by something in a house, I would take them out of the house and just go stay somewhere else with them. I wouldn't just keep leaving them in the home. Or honestly, if my kid, even if I thought something was psychologically wrong with my child, I'm like, oh, they seem to attack themselves every time they're alone. I'd be like, hmm, they seem to attack themselves every time they're alone. Maybe I shouldn't leave them alone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, one thing I do like is just how funny, uh, like just little scenes are to me that make me laugh. Like, um, when, uh, Sally told, when, uh, Kim's like, oh, my mom gave me this bird. And Sally's like, my mom gave me to my dad. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, Sally's such a fucking downer. And then she said, uh, one thing Sally is when, um, Sally first arrives at the house, you know, there's a lot of, um emotions going throughout Sally she's you know been abandoned she thinks she's been abandoned by her mom thrown to her dad and she's not happy that her dad and mom are divorcing so she's crying in the bathroom and Alex is trying to talk to her and Sally says this while Kim walks into the room she says mom said you only like her because she's young but she's old oh my (laughs) yeah and I just love that. I love how Sally's like, fuck Kim. I don't like her. And I don't like you're with her. And then later on, she's like, I like Kim. And Kim's the goat. Yeah. Um, Kim was definitely a lot nicer than a lot of other people would have been in that situation. Can I just say, though, that bear that Kim gave Sally, when the creatures, when the fa- fairies are like messing with it and it just keep saying I love you I love you I was like every other child I know would have been freaking the like freaking out if a toy they'd been given was going off by itself yeah I hated that scene like I was I would not be enchanted I'd be not I would not be like oh are you trying to talk to me fuck no bear I'm about to smack the shit out of you and if there's anything behind you it better get ready 
<laughs> exactly. Like uh, when when Sally's like, oh, the voices and the Fae, they're nice. They gave me a coin. Carly, I would literally be having like a panic attack. Yeah. Like little creatures crawling around whispering to me, mm-mm, mm-mm, you're not my friend. And then the fact that they told her that they couldn't, they needed her to turn off the light. Like, that should be your first warning, Sally. If anything needs darkness to move around in, it's not your friend. Yeah, my notes, I say fairies are creepy. Like, these fairies were nasty looking. Not cute, not cuddly, not little spirited. Like, they they live up to the um, more evil version of fairies. Yeah, they kind of reminded me of gremlins in a way. And then also kind of like little mice or little rat creatures. Okay, I have to stop you there. Gremlins are cute. They are soft. They are little hairy babies. Uh, these things were not soft or hairy little babies. Um, what about when gremlins get exposed to water? Uh, they are oily. They are scaly. And they still have a little bit of tuft of hair on their head. And I will protect them from your insults. Okay. <laughs> well, when they get exposed to water and they're mean and vicious, they're not that cute. Okay. Oh, no. I'm sorry, guys. Correction on our movie knowledge. It's not when they're exposed to water. It's when they eat after 12. Is it after 12 or after 2? I thought it was about them being exposed to water. No, if they're exposed to water, we, we need to watch the gremlins. If they're exposed to water, they make more of themselves. They reproduce, which is a no-no. Oh, but it's okay. after they eat after a certain hour, then they go into their metamorphosis. Okay, okay. See, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. All I love I- that movie both tiny and they both can be vicious and I feel like if you were to stomp on them hard enough you you could kill them well the thing that the thing that was problematic was to me was how fast they move and like literally like they'd be attacking you one in like in one second and next you know someone barely opens the door and they're gone I feel like and then okay so it's kind of poking holes here um, Sally kills two of them and neither they never thought to collect the bodies like in the library when she's being attacked she um she runs that library uh the movable library case what is it was it a case what is that called a shelf what was it bookshelf yeah she moves the bookshelf into the ferry and smashes it and right then and there I'm like hey guys Come take a look at this. I wouldn't be trying to show my dad the picture. I'd be like, look at this thing I just smashed and tell me that doesn't look like a tiny little man to you. <laughs> well, this is the part where the picture had already been torn up, right? And this so- is no. Huh? This is after they were already at the dinner table. This, yeah, this was after the dinner table scene. Yes. Be- and trapped in the library and all her dad's trying to get in there to her while she's screaming and all the guests have gathered around to see what was happening yeah and kim told him let's just leave let's just reschedule the event and he's like no 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 no. we're gonna do it even though my daughter likes to go into rooms alone and scream and have attacks like panic attacks i also want to say like he already knew he didn't believe that his daughter was experiencing anything paranormal or like um, fairy tale like, but he still knew she was having some issues. So my question is, why did he insist on her being at that party? Why not send her to like somewhere else for the night? Yeah, like, also, I just 
Alex really, like I said before, guys, Alex drops the ball. He ignores everything. He is the perfect whore. Um, you know, in most scary movies or horror, uh, you have that dad who's like, oh, honey, there's nothing here. Anytime you bring it up, I'm either going to storm off or in your, if we're in bed together, I'm going to try to act all sexy. Or when my children are like, dad, I'm becoming possessed or I'm hearing things. They're like, no, there's nothing until like it's all here and there. Like, dads love to ignore stuff until it's flying right in front of their face. Yeah, until they get attacked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is so true. They'll only believe it until they get hurt. And then they're like, okay, something is really wrong here. Which might say something about our society. So, what did you think about the uh, fairies' designs? I think they're creepy. Like... I always thought they were creepy, especially with their little voice and like, Sally, Sally. Like, I was like, oh, they're creepy, like voice wise, um, their need to eat bones and just their constant harassment of a small child and attacking an old man. But then when we finally see them, like when um, one crawls under her, like we see them from afar, we see their glowing eyes. But when like one crawls under um, Sally's uh, bed sheets, and she goes under the bed sheets to confront it face to face, and she actually gets a close up of it. I was horrified, and then it screams. Like, why do you have to scream? It's because she's she, she like shined a light on it, and the light hurts them. Okay, that is it. You're cutting people up. You tell me you can't handle a little bit of a flashlight. That's why she has the camera and she takes pictures of them because the light. Um, like stuns them. I know. I just hated them. Like their design is definitely creepy, and the way they attack people, and the way they love to drag people into that hole of theirs in horrible manners, sends a shiver up my spine. They are terrifying creatures, and their design definitely represents how evil they are. I agree. I just want to say, um, this the one of the ending scenes where we see Sally getting um dragged by the fairies down into the basement. And she's tied up in ropes. And Kim is trying to save her. I hated that scene so much. Because I honestly felt like Kim could have been cutting the rope in a different way. That wouldn't have led to her getting like smashed up against the vent. And getting yanked down herself. Okay. I just want to say one thing. I'm kind of confused at how the rope got around Kim. Like were they tying it around Kim when she was fighting with them and cutting Sally's rope or did somehow cutting Sally's rope wrap around Kim's leg? I think she put her leg in between um, the rope and the vent to prevent Sally from getting pulled anymore. Like she was, she had her leg there to prevent it. And then once she cut the rope, like it released from Sally. So it pulled her back kind of like the way a rubber band or a slingshot would. Oh, and then her leg break and then she gets, pulled down the hole i just can i say something i didn't like the i didn't like the last 16 minutes all of it felt a little bit ridiculous like i'm just saying i would never i just i'm really trying to think of the thought i get it it's a horror movie so the thought process isn't going to be clear it's not going to make sense alex and kim didn't make sense staying in the house with um sally till everyone left till it got dark enough then he goes to like so many decisions were made poorly but I don't understand why Kim had to go, like why Kim had to sacrifice herself. It felt like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Do you know like what I mean? 
Yeah, it, it felt weird that, like, Kim was the one that ended up sacrificed in this movie. It kind of felt weird that anyone died. If you really, like, I honestly thought this movie was going to end with Sally, Kim, and Alex all three getting away. But I guess they wanted to up the stakes. And so part of that was having Kim die. And see, in a way, I feel like, I guess Alex should have died. Like, I know this is going to sound kind of shitty, but this would have been his redeeming moment. Like, he didn't listen to his girl, his wife-to-be. He didn't listen to Sally. But here he is as a father, and he can finally do something to, like, give, like, to give back to Sally. Like, he's like, I've been a shitty dad. I haven't listened to you. I haven't heard you. And here, now, here I am, and I'm going to be here for you, and I'm going to sacrifice myself to you. But I guess it kind of relates to that whole thing like in the end the mother or the mother figure will always sacrifice herself to save the child which I'm not always a big fan of in horror movie yeah no I agree with you um I would have preferred it if Sally Kim and Alex had just all three gotten away um to me it didn't make the movie feel any better that Kim died or I mean or Kim was the one that was taken I should say and then I just want to say one thing. When they come back just to give uh, Sally or to leave that drawing for Sally, fuck right. that. I literally would be researching. I'd be like, Sally, me and you are going to start researching on how to kill these motherfuckers. And we're going to make sure that no one ever has to deal with these fairies. You know what I mean? And I just want to say, for being his fiance, Alex didn't seem that broken up about Kim's, you know, disappearance. Um, also, I felt it was a little weird that Sally brought a drawing for Kim and Alex didn't bring anything. He didn't bring flowers. Like, he didn't bring anything to, like, remember her by. It was just, and know, not, it's a drawing. And they, yeah. And they're not even trying to, like, pull a Mr. Harris. They're like, oh, it's up for sale. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, I guess with the the drawing being pulled down into the basement it also seems like they haven't closed the basement back up either yeah i'm just i the ending left me like hollow like you made me fall in love with kim and sally's relationship i really like loved every interaction with them kim and sally had great chemistry together they were cool they were smart they mother and daughter bonding and then you're like well she dies in the end and she stuck with Alex and, you know, she already felt abandoned by her mom and her dad, Alex. But guess what? Alex is a changed man because he saw Kim die and he now believes Sally and they are living together and they don't live in that spooky, ooky house with evil fairies. Yeah. I just also think it's weird. Like there's you don't see any police investigation. You don't see any missing person posters. It's just like they're like, OK, she's gone. Let's pack up and move on with our lives. It just felt very like, I don't know. I felt like her death was so unnecessary. And it was more of a, oh, we got to have like another rated R scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So here's a question for you about the fairies. Do you think that they are tooth fairies? Okay, so they try to make, like, uh, they try to tie that in. They're like, oh, in blah, 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 century, Saint, whatever his name was, made a deal with the fairies, and he would give them teeth. And see, that to me was kind of confusing, because they didn't even, like, try to make a deal with Sally, or Kim, or Alex. They didn't say, hey, we need teeth, we need teeth, give us teeth. No, they're like, uh, we're going to take Sally. 
And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we need to replenish our like um, stock and we need to have another person because two of our fairies are dead. So we're going to take Kim. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, think, huh? I think the tie-ins with the teeth for me was at least the very beginning of the movie where, you know, um, Mr. Blackwood takes out his teeth and then takes his maid's teeth because he says that they, they wanted the teeth, but they specifically wanted children's teeth. Um, and then also with them leaving a corn, that silver corn with Sally also made me think that there was like a tie-in to like them being possibly related to tooth fairies or to the legends of tooth fairies. Yeah. And it, it, it did make sense to me, but it just like the only wanting children's teeth, because it seemed, it, I think like when she was reading um, a thing about them or when that librarian was reading something to Kim, it mentioned them eating all the bones. Oh, that's true. So I was like, so they're tooth fairies, but they also don't mind other bones. And it's just like, I was like, so if they're tooth fairies, why didn't they just make a deal with Kim? Like, or Alex or um, Sally, like, hey, Sally, every time you lose a tooth, put it under your pillow and we'll take it. But it seems they're very greedy or I guess because no one's been there so long, they're like starving. So they're like, uh, fuck just a tooth every once in a while. We're going to eat a whole child. Well, I mean, I think they even say that, like, when they're whispering, they're, like, hungry, like, they're hungry. They keep saying they're so hungry. Well, maybe they should stop killing the people coming into their homes. <laughs> you don't kill all the cow in your field and then complain that you don't have any meat. So, when I was trying to, like, research any tie-ins to possible tooth fairies, um, like, the legends of tooth fairies and this movie, I kept looking up tooth fairy legends, and... It's like every dental office out there has a little story about tooth fairies and their legends. And so when you research tooth fairies, you are like flooded on Google with just different dental offices. (laughs) Especially um, pediatric dental offices. So I'm going to go off the trail here and I might sound a little crazy. So magical creatures are real. Fairy tooth fairies are real and they have all become dentists. <laughs> oh yes, possibly. That would be a good story. Like um, so I just found some interesting tooth myths though and I found this from getquit.com which was one of the few websites I found that wasn't a dental office. Um so I'm just going to go through a few little legends about the tooth fairy like in right. different legends. So, in France, their tooth fairy is actually a tooth mouse named La Petite Souris, and I'm probably saying that wrong. And there's also one related to that one in Spain, who's also a tooth mouse or a tooth rat, named Ratoncito Perez. Carl, I think these people were just trying to make up stories so they didn't have to explain to their children why there was rats or mice in their homes. But it's interesting because then also in South Africa, it says when children lose a teeth, they put it in a slipper for for the tooth mouse again. A lot of these legends involve the tooth mouse. What the? <laughs> in, in Egypt, Oman, and Lydia, though, children throw their tooth at the sun in hopes that a brighter one will grow in its place. Oh, I like that. And then in China, they throw the lo- te- um, teeth that were lost from the lower portion onto the roof. And once from the upper portion, they bury it in the ground or throw it into the ground um, in hopes that, like, the teeth will grow towards each other. What? 
Yeah, like so that they get straight teeth, like the oh. ones, like the ones from the bottom are being thrown to the roof, and then the ones on the top are being thrown put into the ground so that they grow towards each other. Dang, I should have done that as a child. <laughs> so jo- those are just a few interesting um, tooth and tooth fairy myths. I just thought it was interesting that several countries had this little tooth mouth. And it made me think about how these creatures almost do look like mice or rats in this film. So I'm going to say something a little asinine. Not asinine. But I guess I never thought of other tooth fairies or other fairies like tells, not fairy tales, uh, tooth tells from other cultures. But I'm glad you shared that with us. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, And it just made me kind of think of this movie, except this movie is obviously a much, much darker take on it all. So I'm going to circle back around to our very beginning of our, no, he wasn't our director, right? He was uh, one of the writers, Del Toro. He was co-producer and um, co-writer. So guys, y'all know Del Toro works on many things from like Hellboy, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Pacific Rim, and Pan's Labyrinth. But I will say in Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, there is a scene where these people are auctioning off, like I believe they're just humans auctioning off items. Uh, spoiler uh, for that movie people are auctioning off like mythical items and one of the bad guys of the movie shows up and he releases a whole cage of tooth fairies and they consume everyone in the building but these tooth fairies are more white slim and winged and I will say I did like that he has two different interpretations of tooth fairies Yes, that's interesting too. Um, but I guess in a way we can't we don't really know then if these are actually tooth fairies or if like you said, these are just bone fairies who will eat whatever bones they can get their hands on. Well, his tooth fairies in that movie also consumed not only the teeth but every bone of the human body. Oh, okay. So he seems to like have more of that thought process of tooth fairies. And I would agree with him. Could you imagine any animal that only eats one specific part of their, um, like their prey? No, that's true. So if these, if their tooth fairies did exist, I definitely do think they would consume all bones in all manner. (laughs) And then part of the reason why I also thought it was funny um, that this movie did could be related to tooth fairies in a way. Is because you kept confusing this movie with another movie that deals with like a witch slash tooth fairy legend as well. I just love how people, uh, they're like, oh yeah, and that movie is called Darkness Falls. And mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty good movie too. Like I watched it as a child with uh, KK and it was, I, I thought it was really good. I'll have to go back and watch it again and maybe my mind has changed. But it was also a creature that could only move in the darkness and despise the light. Yes. Yes. And it would, she would show up um, right when like children were losing their teeth, right? Yes. Like she was after the teeth, but she would also go after you. It was a little confusing. Yeah, I can't remember everything about that movie. It's been years since I watched it, but I want to say like she had lost a child in the, in the legend. And so anytime, like, a child would start losing their teeth, if they didn't put, like, the teeth under the pillow or if they woke up when she was, like, taking the teeth and leaving them their little uh, reward, um, she would, like, attack them and take the child. 
Yeah, and I think the beginning scene is like he's either lost a tooth or something like that's happening, and she's moving about his room. He runs out, calls for his mom, and his mom like there's nothing there, and she goes into the room, and she never comes back. So I think I think if I remember again, it's been many years, but then all of a sudden like he's like the town's misfit because his mom vanished. Oh, um, I don't think it was that his mom vanished. I think his mom got attacked and died. And even though there was, like, this local legend about this creature doing this type of stuff, um, he was blamed for it. Okay. It hurt his mom. Okay. And, like, they thought he had psychiatric issues. A lot of times you'll see, like, the children or adults who come from these films are all, like, a lot of people are like, oh, they just have psychiatric issues. Yes. And can I just say, uh, rounding back around to... uh our show don't be afraid of the dark i think it's hilarious that um when i will say one thing that made me laugh was when kim was like she's on adderall and acts so shocked i was like that's not that big of a deal to me um i think like when it comes to children and any type of adhd medication especially like adderall or ritalin like there's so much controversy around it especially because in pop culture and like just in the mainstream, um, there's been a lot of people who think that children are over-medicated, and so that's kind of where that was coming from. Yeah, I just thought it was so funny. It's like, could you imagine someone being like, you're on diabetic medication? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, there's some ADHD medication out there that I would feel that way about today. Like, um, there's one called Vyvanse that I've heard a lot of negative stuff about. And it can actually, like, um, the children and adults who take it can actually get addicted to it and it can cause psychosis in some cases. Oh, okay. I can understand some of the wariness, but I just think sometimes it's like, like anytime people are on medication, sometimes it's necessary. So I try not to judge if I hear someone on a medication. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we've heard people say stuff about depression and anxiety medication. So <laughs> we definitely understand like people being judgmental about that. I just think it's funny how, like, it just makes it easier for other characters in the movie to try to be dismissive towards, like, the main characters. And they're like, oh, they, you know, they have, psych- like, they, they have problems. They have psychological problems. Yes. Um, one thing I also don't like is Sally definitely doesn't have a good support group. You know, her mom kind of, like, dropped her off. And at first, I was like, Alex is being such an asshole because when um he's talking to the ex-wife, she's like, can I talk to Sally? Jo- Joanne's, like, the the mom is like, can I talk to Sally? And he lies and he says, oh, no, she's like, did he say, like, she's already in bed? She's already asleep when mm-hmm. she was definitely awake. And then when Sally's like, can I please talk to mom? He's like, no, she's busy. So I was like, oh, is Alex, like, not allowing Joanne to talk to Sally. But then when Sally Al- Sally finally gets a hold of her mom, Joanne, Joanne kind of like talks to her for barely a minute and then already is like, I need to get off the phone, honey. Yeah. And I just want to say, um, I didn't have much faith in their parenting the moment they put their kid on a plane by themselves. I understand sometimes that's needed, but this was not a short plane trip. She was like flying from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yeah, but Sally seems a little dependable. I know there are some kids who, like, who they allow their children to fly. I don't know them, but I've heard of children flying on planes before. I would just, 
I don't have children, but I feel like if I did have children, I would be super uncomfortable, like, allowing them to fly alone. Didn't uh, one of our nieces fly alone? Or no? No, she didn't. Never mind. I'm sorry. I take that back. There were plans, but it never occurred. Yeah. And I mean, even then, that flight was going to be under an hour. But even I think there was a lot of um, worry about that. Another strange thing they said about Joanne makes me laugh is um, when uh, they're at the dinner table and Sally's not really hungry and the maid or the the caretaker is like, oh, I'll bring some apple pie, made some apple pie. And Sally's like, gluten is bad. Mommy said no gluten. Um, And the way like Alex just gets so upset and the way they like, I was like, are they trying to make Joanne like seem like she's awful because she's like no gluten and. Adderall medication you know what I mean yeah (laughs) it was just such a weird thing but I will say when Sally just got up and left the table I was like oh my god like I could never imagine doing that with my parents (laughs) I did think you know um nothing against the Sally character obviously she's a young girl going through a lot coming to age and um having to experience you know a lot of the issues that come with having parents sharing custody of you I just felt like she was kind of a rude child. You think she was a rude child? A little bit. Why? What what scenes kind of played off that way? Um, just her whole attitude throughout the entire film. Um, I do agree with you like uh, at the very beginning definitely when she was kind of being like short with Sal uh with Kim when she was like, "Oh, like I don't want the dollar." And uh Kim was like, "I'm going to make uh, scones do you want to join me Sally and Sally was like no like I want to go open the hatch that will end up killing you Kim <laughs> yeah so, like... which I would understand um if it was just directed at Kim because like Kim is you know her dad's girl I mean yeah her dad's girlfriend and obviously she has some feelings about that she doesn't seem entirely happy about that she's probably holding out some hope that her mom and dad could work it out but, I mean, just to other adults in the film as well, she seemed a little bit rude or very standoffish, which maybe isn't a bad thing, but it just struck me as a little weird. No, oh, yeah. She she wasn't really standoffish with the, um, with the maid. I think she was just, like, I think she's just more outspoken as a child. Like, she said what was on her mind when, you know, when we were raised as kids, we were kind of taught just, like, say yes, ma'am, say yes, sir, even if you disagree. Yeah, and she was more like, I don't want apple pie. It's gluten. Mommy said it's gluten. <laughs> and Mr. Harris was like, hello. And she's like, Mm-mm. I'm just going to look at you because you're a strange man with a very deep voice. I just want to say the scene where he grabbed her and tried to take her away from the basement windows and she started screaming and kicking. I was like, OK, yeah, you definitely should do that if, if an adult you don't know picks you up and tries to take off with you. Yeah, and I will just say maybe it's because I've worked in a school and I'm a and I'm not a teacher, but I've worked as a teaching and just in general, don't grab stranger children. So like, don't grab children you don't know, or even children you do know, especially like if they're a baby and they're about to get hurt, or a toddler and they're about to get hurt. Yes, but if it's like an older kid, there's you can just tell them, hey, like it's really dangerous for you to be there. Like let's move away from that. Like I don't even think I would grab my nieces or nephews like that yeah it did seem a little aggressive on his end but then again he also knew that there was evil fairies looking to steal children 
oh, yeah. down, so. And in this scene, this is very interesting to me. I know this is a small scene. It might, it probably means nothing. But when Sally's walking through the garden and she finds, right before she finds that window that leads to hell, um, she, uh, she steps through the fairy ring, but does not disturb it and then steps out of it without disturbing it. But Mr. Harris steps through it and destroys the fairy ring. So take that as you may. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. And then um, in the mural, like, in the basement, it shows, like, this little boy all caught up in, like, webs. Like, not webs. um, Like, plant branches and stuff. But it never explains what's going on there. Yeah, that's true. It never does. But I guess maybe that was just his artwork and his grief. He was just, like, depicting the final moments of his child. Yeah, but it made me wonder. I mean, obviously, we know the fate these fairies can't go out in light so it's like did they somehow get the branches to like bring the child to them well I wonder at night because when um when Alex goes to break through the garage window he goes to unlock the door and one of the fairies is outside waiting for him and slices his hand true so I guess they can run around the property at night and in a way I just guess the fairy just confused me like their hive mindness down in the cave like you try to get out of that house and run around at night and then find a new home but like go find food instead of just sitting in your cave waiting for food but the fae are very strange creatures well i think but i agree with like after sally and her dad leave and the home's empty again i think they definitely should do that but i think before um when the basement was all boarded up and stuff they wanted out but they couldn't get out Oh. Like they were trapped there. But now it's like, why are y'all still staying there? Y'all could go and like attack other people's properties. And then another thing, I just think you can crush them. It's not like they're invincible. There's just lots of them. So if you brought in a team of people like experts, I know that sounds really stupid, but you could probably annihilate these little nasty creatures. Yeah. Or there has to be something that can stop them. Like we said, they don't use their magic often. And it looks like most of their magic is used to turn people into them. But they have to, like, bring you down to their cave to do so. Mm-hmm. And they also have to cause bodily, like, um, torture to you. Yeah, like, maybe part of that process is breaking the person down, like, till their, till their bones are all, I don't know, fragmented. But I was glad to see that one get smushed. And you know, okay, so circling back around in the library when Sally's fighting them, I think the one that takes her, this is me speculating, but I think the one that took her uh, camera is her, is Blackwood's, Blackwood or Blackwater? Blackwood. Blackwood's son. And she crushes his kid. And I think that puts him in a frenzy because he, if you notice, they're a lot more aggressive. They're a lot more ready to take what they want like they're done fooling around you killed one of them now they're going to take one of you and he is so desperate to get one of them when they finally take him he kind of like is victorious before he gets smashed yes um and i will agree with that too but i also think that part of that frenzy could also be they could feel them slipping away like the family was about to leave and they're like, okay, it's now or never like no more, no more playing it easy. We got to bring in the heart, like the big guns now. True. And 
Yeah, they were pretty organized. I just, I just think it's crazy. Like Sally gave them everything. She's like, they're afraid of light. You know what we're going to do? Not use light to fight these creatures. I'm going to go into like, we're going to split up. I just like, sometimes the decision in horror movies is insane because you know, most people probably wouldn't act that way, but they have to act that way to get the movie still to continue moving forward. Well, by the end of the film, they were trying to use light, but the power to the house, like the fairies had like destroyed the, like they'd done something to the fuse box. So the electricity wasn't working. Oh yeah, true. But still like they split up and they waited till everyone was gone. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I'm like, why Why would you split up? And then also, have your car ready to go. Like, get it out of the garage and, like, get your kid into the car and then take off. It's just... I just... I will say, I love this movie, but the last 16 minutes, I was, like, not have. I was not, like, loving it. I was having a roller coaster of emotions, and most of them were going down. <laughs> so... How would you rate it on a scale of one to five based on that? Ooh, I would give it a 4.8. Okay. I feel like I would give this movie a 3.5 or a four. <gasps> Carly, why so low? I don't think that's low. I think like I I didn't hate the movie. I didn't love it. There were definitely aspects of it that I liked. Honestly, for me, I would have loved to have known more of the backstory about the Blackwood estate. Like, I would have really enjoyed seeing um, the lead up to this film, like, like, or the lead up to Mr. Blackwood pulling his own teeth out. I would have liked that movie a lot better, I think. <laughs> yeah, something more set in that time period where, like, you wouldn't have modern technology and where Mr. Blackwood has to figure out what these things are. Like, he's the one who puts all the work into it. Uh, Kim just has to go to the library to find it. Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, with that opening scene, as horrible as it was, it felt like this movie was going to be, like, very intense, and it kind of fell off from there in a lot of ways. I guess I really enjoyed, I guess, like, the fairies were more of a secondary thing to me. I really enjoyed the relationship between Kim and Sally. I liked the build-up, and then, sadly, the fall was tragic. Yeah, I, th- I think um, in a lot of ways, fairy tales are kind of like coming to age stories for kids. So I can kind of see where that would come into play here. And I think maybe that's the aspect you liked a little bit better. <laughs> I'm just more into the whole story itself. And you're like, I want to see the histories of the fae and why Mr. Uh, Blackwood decided. I mean, like the, the fall of Blackwood. Yes. Like his descent into madness to appease the fairies. But you also, you like that stuff. And what was that uh, movie you talked about? Oh, Absentia? (laughs) Yeah, you like watching people fall into madness. I mean, but I think in that movie, you see some of the same aspects in that movie that you do in this one, where they try to bargain with the fae or the fairies and it does not work out in their favor. And I guess that's something I would like to see more, the bargaining. Like, you're telling me these fae have, were made deals long ago with people to, like, if you give us teeth, we'll leave you be. But then it's like, but we don't see any of that. We see more of this uncivil, not uncivilized, but this more, like, desperate need to get this child and to do whatever it takes to get that child. And that's what I guess I don't like. I guess, in a way, that's what kind of lowers the score. 
my score is because I want to see more of the Fae being like their characteristics of making horrible deals with people. And um, the second part is Kim not dying. <laughs> you know what? I think would have made this film a little bit better. What? Looking back to it now, if there had been more than one child in the home. Mm. Like if there had been several children. And see, I always thought when you and Haley went to saw this movie, I really thought there were two girls in the house. Mm-mm. I know. Weird, right? How your memories work. Yeah. Um, one thing I would like to point out before we end our podcast is that, uh, or before we go to the ending of our podcast, is that both Kim, Sally, and Blackwood were all connected to painting and drawing. Oh, that is true. They all yeah. did like to do that. I thought that was an interesting little piece there. Oh, that is true. Yeah. So, Cole, um, any last thoughts? No, like I said, um, I think I've spoke. I think I've covered everything I wanted to say. I really love this movie, and if y'all like a uh, horror fantasy, definitely go watch it. It is rated R, but I honestly think kids about. 13 uh well maybe 11 or older could definitely handle that i don't think it's that bad and then on rotten tomatoes it did get 60 percent. so some people loved it some people hated it yeah and i think that's crazy because i really liked it i would have probably gave it an 80 out of 100 on rotten tomatoes i think um horror fantasy though is one of those things that for a lot of people is either hit or miss so yeah. Oh, and guys, if you want to watch Don't Be Afraid of the Dark from 2011, you can watch it on HBO Max. Yes. Um, so thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like this and if you would like to give us any suggestions or if you have any questions for us, you can reach us at our email, um, shrieks and shiver podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And join us next week as we watch Lamb from 2021. Thank you guys so much. Farewell. Bye. Bye.